Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number six of Through the Clouds podcast. I'm your host, Jared Schiedemeyer, joined alongside my co-host. Eva Albright. And we are hoping you are having a wonderful morning, afternoon, or night whenever you're listening to this podcast. And we are so excited, after um, a week hiatus, to bring you back another episode of Through the Clouds. Yeah. It should be an exciting episode. We got a lot of news for you. A lot of stuff, aviation stuff has been happening in our lives, hence the uh, hiatus that we had to take due to um, just a lot of stuff going on. And we're back. And yeah. And uh, episodes will now be published on Fridays instead of Tuesdays. Okay. So yeah, a little bit of change of pace. That's that's how most podcasts do. They publish on Fridays, so we'll just kind of stick with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we got going on. Uh, so I think we're going to go straight into the podcast this week. We're going to have some of our own aviation stories. Then we'll go into some aviation news from around the industry. We got a question from a viewer in segment number three and four. We have the featured incident of the week and segment number five is the featured plane of the week. So yeah, we got an action packed show for you today. Should be exciting. Yeah. Okay, so uh, first off, we had quite the exciting couple weeks here, Ava, didn't we? We did. So we, um, I'll share one of my things, and you can go ahead and share one of yours. I recently went on a uh, night cross-country, my first of my commercial uh, license cross-countries. That was a uh, two-hour cross-country over to Moline, Iowa during the nighttime came back pretty late it was it was a nice cross country nice and smooth had the basically the air to ourselves didn't see too many other planes out there that late at night but it was doing good and now i can start working on my uh, commercial night solo time that i need yeah that's good so what about you ava you had you went on a trip last time we talked we were hyping up for a trip so we need like full detailed reports here what's going on yeah so what how many weeks is that now like two weeks ago something like that i think two weeks ago um, I went down to Key West for the NIS Key West Air Show. So I was on the Naval Air Station Base Key West. Um, that was very, very cool. The Blue Angels performed. You know, Skip Stewart performed. Rob Holland. All of them. That was very, super cool. The Aftershock, Aftershock Jet Truck was also there. They had the precision, precision exotic cars, you know, going down the runway. That was really cool. Got some Porsche 911, Lamborghinis, all that fun stuff. Very cool. Um, they also did a very good job with, like, food and seating and stuff. But, um, no, yeah, it was super duper cool. It was a very, 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 very warm day. And the sun was, there were, there were no clouds in the sky, which was nice. Um, we, for a while, were watching the Blue Angels sitting inside of a, like, we were sitting inside of a C5. And the that Blue Angels performing. Too yeah. cool. Um, you know, we, before the, or before I left on the podcast, we were talking about like, um, Delta and flying them and flying on the A220. Well, a little disappointed. The last minute changed the plane. So we instead ended up flying on an A319. You just had to use it. Yeah, except for the A319 is one of my favorite planes, so it's I guess it's not that much of a disappointment. But, but an A220. Flying a brand new A220 for the first time can be exhilarating. Yep, so on the way there I flew an A319 and then an A321. So A319 to LaGuardia, and then from LaGuardia to Miami I flew in A319. Um, and then on the way back I flew United, 
out of Key West to um, nonstop to Chicago. Um, so I was I was flying on E originally it was an E one seventy five and that ended up being an E one seventy. Um, that flight was delayed like two hours because the air show was kind of closing all the airspace around Key West Airport. So we didn't end up taking off until about two hours later. But it's pretty cool because the Blue Angels were still flying around a little bit when you were boarding the plane. And if you don't know Key West, you basically board outside. Um, there's no, like, jet bridge. kind of just walk outside. So that is one of my favorite things about Key West Airport, besides the fact that it's always packed in the terminal. Of course. That's always a favorite, packed. though? Yeah. Okay. I like it because, I mean, although it's always packed, everyone's always very happy. Even though they're leaving Key West, right. they're still genuinely happy because they, I mean, are in Key West. Exactly. And most of them have, like, a drink in their hand or something, so they're all just, you know, very excited. They're all having a but good time down in yeah. Key West. So the Blue Angels flew over when we were boarding, which was very, very cool. And then even when I was on the plane, I looked out my window, and the Blue Angels were right there. So that was awesome. Um, it was all cool. a very, very, very good weekend for sure. Um, I got to see my doggies too, so that was exciting. And my, and my family, I guess, too, but <laughs> the dogs. The dogs are the most important, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, Ava, we recently went on a tour with our local club, Triple AE. Yes. Uh, the uh, Airport Executives Association. And you are now vice president. And you are now secretary of that club. <laughs> Here at Lewis University, as well as Ava is now the um, official uh, vice president of the Women in Aviation Club chapter here at Lewis University. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Like I said, we've had some exciting weeks we going have. on. Uh, so the we recently went to Chicago's Midway International Airport, uh, located just on the outside of Chicago, and we went to Atlantic Aviation, a fixed base operator, or FBO, which is basically a terminal for private jets, for those of you that don't know. Big private jets. <laughs> and it doesn't just have to be private jets. Um, yep. We have an FBO here at the Lewis University Airport that handles both private jets and piston aircraft. Mm -hmm. um, it is basically a terminal for aircraft that are not passenger or scheduled service yeah. um, passenger or cargo. So um, you can go there, you can, you know, there's a pilot lounge, bathrooms, you can get fuel, catering, um, labs dumped, water, potable water, all sorts of different stuff yeah. with the airplane. And we got a chance to tour Midway's Atlantic Aviation, which is one of the largest FBOs in the country that serves some of the most aircraft and is extremely busy and caters to celebrities during Lollapalooza. Um, any concerts that come into town, um, movie premieres. Like yeah. anytime a celebrity wants to come to Chicago, if their plane is smaller than a Boeing 757, then it will go to Midway and Park Atlantic Aviation uses that. Yeah, they do. I mean, also, you said 757. They do also take, like, accept sports teams and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of charters. I think you said they do yeah. NHL, NBA. NFL, NCAA, MLB, MLB, all sorts of different um, charters with various airlines or private companies. So yeah, we got a tour of that. It was pretty cool. Um, we got to go inside a Decel Falcon 900, I believe. Yeah, that was my favorite part. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, we got to get up and close in person with some Gulf Streams and some other aircraft. 
Uh, so yeah, it was just quite the amazing tour. It was very cool. Um, they obviously they have they do a very good job there of operating everything, running everything, making sure everything goes smoothly. Um, they were all super duper nice. Um, I will say that it is like one of the on the better side of FBOs I've ever seen. Uh, it's very nice in there. Yeah, it seems um, very luxurious in there. Everyone seems like they're very happy to be working there too, which I like. Yeah, it seems like a good good place to work. Yeah. Uh, so that's the Midway Atlantic Aviation Tour. And also sort of associated with Midway as one of the largest bases for Southwest Airlines. Recently, we had two Southwest Airline pilots come into the uh, Chicago area or more like our school area. Um, do you remember their names? Pilot Pete and... Nope. Nope. It was... Pilot Sue... Craig, Craig, and Amy, and Amy, pilot, pilot Craig, and pilot Amy. I'm I'm pretty bad with names. That's yeah. on me. Um, and they came into Lewis. Uh, so Southwest Airlines has a globally renowned uh, adopt a pilot program. And so what happens is Southwest Airlines pilots volunteer. They go into schools certain amount of times a year and teach kids about um, aviation, hand signals. Um, they teach them about basic the alphabet, stuff, yeah. the flight characteristics, like really basic stuff. These are usually like fourth, fifth, or sixth graders. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the year, they can take a they could take a field trip. And so the field trip this year was to Lewis University, and they got to see the flight department, our MD eighty here on the campus. We got to go inside the air traffic control tower. That was you know that was all very cool because I mean sitting inside a flight deck of the MD eighty and touring the tower were two things that. We probably both would not have been able to do if like we didn't do this or at least for a while yeah so ava and i were both selected as uh, um group leaders for the adopt a pilot program and we each led a group of fifth graders around the airport and toured them on showed them a tour of all these cool places and like ava yeah. said it really opened up some really cool opportunities for sure um we so our tower just opened up, if you didn't know that, in December. Um, and so that was, like, really cool to be in there. They're still working on stuff. They were, I think, insulating the stairwell. Um, so that was a little stinky because Jarrett and I decided to climb up the stairs the whole way up. Yeah, that, that's nine stories up. I thought it was 12. Oh, it might be 12. Yeah. Oh, it was 12 stories up. That's what I heard. Okay. I could be wrong. No, it probably is. Um, but so yeah, that that was that was fun. It was a little workout. It, it was cool. it was a workout indeed. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather do that than be shoved in an elevator with a bunch of people. So yeah, but yeah, it was a really cool experience. We got to meet some of the controllers that have been controlling mm -hmm. us around for the last couple yeah, months. Yeah, it's weird here. Like you see, you hear them all the time, but and then you, to go up there and yeah. see them, it was a whole different thing. Because you build it, you build a picture inside your head of what you think these people yeah. look like, and then it's not. At it's all not what they look like. Um, yeah, that was definitely a shocker for one of the controllers. I was like, you look like that? But, I don't know. We did, you, you had a couple questions, right? Yeah. You had uh, yeah, a couple I of had, questions answered. Yeah, I asked them about, like, reporting points around of how far out they can see us. Mm -hmm. um, Who the voice of the... Yeah. <laughs> there is a, the, the ATIS, the, the automated terminal information system at the airport um, is updated roughly every hour 
five minutes before the top of the hour, mm-hmm. and it gives us pilots information about the airport, such as winds, cloud layers, as well as active runways and approaches in use, as well as any other advisory information that is yep. deemed important. So we grab this before we take off while we're taxiing, and we listen to it one more time before we come into land, so we have all the information of the airport. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the advisory things is we have a coyote on the airport here at Lewis. Um, all and the time. It, lo- it just knows what runway we're taking off of, too. Yep. So it it'll, just hangs out on that one. It'll linger right around... Um, there have been a couple planes, um, not all Lewis planes, uh, j- planes in general, because this is a public use airport, that have hit the coyote, and then yeah, it still manages to so come back. So obviously there's more than one coyote. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's what we got going on with the coyote, and um, you know, Ava, Ava does a better impression. I love impression. this. I, so basically the sound is coyote, and that just makes me laugh every time I listen to it. Yeah, because some, so somebody's excited. voice is, it, it's all an automated voice, so it would be like, Lewis University Tower, Information Zulu. And then it's like a really robotic voice. Until and then, you get to Coyote. Yeah, and it's someone that recorded. And it'll be like, remarks. And it'll be like, there is Coyote on airport. It's so funny. And we got to meet the controller that actually did. did the Coyote voice. So yeah. it, it was a pretty surreal moment, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan. Uh, Ava, is there is there anything else that we have to talk about in today's show? Um, maybe some news. Oh, there's some news? Yeah. This is your weekly aviation news with Through the Clouds podcast. I'm your host, Jared Schiedemeyer, joined alongside Ava Albright. And we have some exciting news for you this week in the aviation industry. Ava, why don't you get us kicked off? Okay. Well, people we all, people we love, people we know, the FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, love them. They established a new aviation safety review team. This team includes a former FAA administrator and a former NTSB chair. Um, so this happened on Wednesday. They established a independent aviation safety review team. It allows the FAA to examine further ways to enhance safety and reliability in the air traffic system across the United States. This comes after all these incidents like FedEx and Southwest near miss. Um, basically we've heard, we've talked about a lot, a lot of the other ones, JFK, um, a lot of, a lot of airplanes getting close call. Um, so they will present concrete recommendations on how the agency can advance air traffic safety in the country. So I'm hoping this works. How about you? Yeah, I think it's very interesting and it shows that they're trying to take some extreme initiative to see what's going on in the yeah, aviation system and how they can go ahead and try to mitigate those those hazards. Yes. Yeah, so some of the members, I'll just list them off. Uh, former NASA administrator and astronaut Charles Bolden Jr., a former Airlines, Airlines Pilot Association International president, Captain Tim Cannell, former National Air Traffic Controllers Association executive vice president, Patricia Gilbert, former FAA chief operating officer, David Grizzle, former FAA Administrator Michael Huerta, and former NTSB Chair Robert Sumwalt. So, yeah, quite the uh, quite the very powerful and influential, as For well sure. as, um, what's the word, like smart lineup. I don't want to say the word smart. Well-informed, informative, well-informed lineup. That, In all experience. Yeah, experience. That's, that's what I was looking okay. for. Um, so, yeah, that's what we got going on with the FAA recently. 
Okay. So now I got one. Um, IATA, the International Association of Air Travel or something like that, um, has announced that the ticket prices are going to be going up due to inflation and jet fuel costs. Looks like um, as even low-cost carriers, as well as full-service carriers such as United, Delta, and American, the prices are actually going to be going up and not down because jet fuel prices are reaching record highs. Um, And last June, the record high was $172 per barrel. Wow, that actually reminded me of something. Can I just talk about this quick? Of course. So I forgot to say this during when I was talking about the air show. Um, In Key West, there was a bit of a jet fuel shortage. So what they had to do is they had to um, bring in a truck, obviously, fuel the planes up just a little bit. I was lucky that I was not one of these planes that had to deal with this. Um, They had to fuel these planes up. They had to fly to Miami and then they could fly to their final destination. I think one of these was flying to South Carolina, maybe. Yeah. So they had to fly from Key West to Miami, fuel up, and then go to South Carolina. Wow. I was like, after a two-hour delay, and you still have to do that then, I would be a little mad. That'd be frustrating. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, but, yeah, you can go back to it. Sorry, yeah. I just thought of that. No, no, that's good. That's a good add-on. Um, looks like that the inflation of the world, not, we're not just talking United States here. We're actually talking about global inf- inflation, um, has been a almost linear increase um, as the jet fuel price has gone spiking up and spiking down ever since around October of 2020, all the way now to we're now these reportings were February 2023. So yeah, it looks like you could be paying a little bit more for your next airline ticket and uh, you can't really blame the airline for it because they're just raising prices with their expenditures. Yeah. Unfortunate Happy circumstance. I already have all my flights booked that I need to go well, most of them. Not all of them. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. So yeah, uh Ava, what do you got next? Well, um, Starlux Airlines, first Trans-Pacific service touches down in Los Angeles. What is Starlux? So it's a Type Pi-based carrier. Um, they fly A350-900s. They're hoping to launch flights to San Francisco by the end of this year as well. So for this, um, Starlux Airlines is the only Taiwanese airline company um, which is weird because they're the only airline company in Taiwan that offers first class seats. Is that true? Yes. Because there are there are two other airlines that are based out of Taiwan. That would be uh, China Airlines as well as Eva Air are both based out of uh, Taiwan. So oh, this is what this says. Wow. Um, so, yep, it was a almost, I mean, decently full A350, um, somewhere around 300 passengers on the flight. So that's pretty cool that that was the first one. Um, that's kind of all i got to say about it, that. It looks like they're doing quite a, about five round trips per week um, with Taipei to Los Angeles and then Los Angeles to Taipei. And it looks like the flight schedules are... They got basically the 
the worst of the worst. It looks like Los Angeles to Taipei departs at 12.50 a.m. in the morning and arrives at 5.40 the next day. And then the Taipei to Los Angeles departs at 11.40 p.m. and arrives at 8.30 p.m. in Los Angeles. So it does not look like they got the best slots for that. No. But congratulations to Starlux. Yeah. We'll see how you how you grow and in the ever so demanding airline market we'll see we'll see how it happens yeah sticking in the pacific region for airlines japan's flight carrier all nippon airways or ana made a huge 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 air uh this last week so what happens is that there were tickets that if you bought them on a specific regional website, which was the ANA's Vietnam website, that there was an error in the ticketing price and the conversion of the currencies was not correct. And you could find um, international business class tickets, which is the same as first class on ANA, so full lie down, lie flat seats in the front of the plane. You could find them for well under $400. And then first class, which is like a step above, a and is like full suites that you can have on some of their bigger airplanes for less than $1,000, when on average those are between ten dollars and $20,000. Well, that's a deal. So yeah, quite, quite the error on their part. And I feel what, like if I would have seen that, I just would have booked it. One passenger got... Over $250,000 worth of tickets for only $17,000. And ANA originally said that was this was our mistake, but it, it was an airfare and error fare. And um, it was our fault, and we will honor the tickets that were already purchased. And it looks like the error was only on the website for about 12 hours. They came back this week and said, just kidding, we're not honoring the fares and offered full refunds for the tickets that were purchased, which I just think is shady business. That is so mean. It was their fault for having, yes, they might have lost money on that portion, but at the same time, saying once that you're going to honor the tickets and then coming right back again and saying you're not going to honor the tickets, I think is a little ridiculous. Yeah, I would be very disappointed. So... So, Shingman you ANA for the mistake and for saying you're going to honor it and then not honoring it, but oh well. And then continuing on the uh, news of the new flights, we have United Airlines adding new winter flights to the Oceania region. This includes uh, some flights to New Zealand and as well as the Australia region during their summer or our winter here in the United States. And Lufthansa decided to add two new flights this upcoming winter to India, which seems to be an ever so increasingly popular destination for airlines wanting to fly to. Yeah. It must be something like it's like I think it is the most populous country in the world. So that makes sense that they're trying to get there. But I did not know that the demand for air travel was so high in India. But it seems like it is because so many airlines are trying to trying to go there. Yeah. And we got one last news story for the week. And that is uh, Lewis University news story, actually. Spirit Airlines and Lewis University have launched a new pilot pathway program, which is a mission to expand the pilot pipeline to Spirit Airlines. So 
Uh, the airline says it needs additional pilots, and because of this, um, we are we now have a partnership with them. And so what that means is that students are able to apply for a, uh, a position at Spirit Airlines. You'll get an interview, and upon completion of that interview, you get a conditional offer of employment, a Spirit electronic flight bag, as well as a mentorship to complete the degree, as well as obtain all FAA requirements for an airline transport pilot certificate. And as soon as you graduate and obtain your 1,000 hours, you will um, then become a first officer at Spirit Airlines. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome to have you know more options now, uh, especially here at Lewis University. Yeah. So yeah, if you're looking to join Spirit in the future... Um, whether they join JetBlue or not, because that could be another, maybe it'll turn into a JetBlue pathway program if they merge. But it seems like the odds of a merge are getting slimmer and slimmer every day. Yeah, I mean, you hear about it for a while, and then you don't hear about it for a while. Exactly. Okay, segment three. Ava, we had a question from Steve that he submitted. What is that question? Uh, he asked, when planning your cross-country training routes, are there any rules or restrictions to an in-flight course, adjustments, deviations due to situations beyond your control, weather, mechanical problems? Uh, for example, if a sudden storm pops up in your planned flight route, are you restricted on the method or distance to avoid the weather? Yeah, so if a thunderstorm happens right in front of us, we just have to pray and go right through the middle of it, the eye of the storm. No, that is that is a joke, of course. That that is your joke of the week. Ha 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 ha. And so yeah, those are I think that was a really good question. Ava, yes, I, I know you have not done your cross country training yet. This is all you. So you're you're getting close though to your cross countries. And cross countries are my absolute favorite part of flying, as you may know. And so yeah, this is this is a good question. So when we're planning our cross countries, we follow a certain route and we try to stay to that route as good as possible. However, there are many things that could cause us to deviate from that route. You mentioned a couple of them in your question. First would be weather. First off, we get a full detailed weather briefing um, from either Lidos Flight Service or our EFB such as ForeFlight, which uses data from the NOAA and the National Weather Service, and we get a full detailed briefing. Um, the to figure it all out, and so we want to make sure that the weather is not going to be bad. Two hours before we take off, all the way to two hours after we're expected to land. But if a thunderstorm does pop up in the middle or any other sort of inclement weather, there are th- three possible situations. The first would be to find a way around it. Our S models here at Lewis have next rad weather. So ADSB in, so we can see weather radar on our G1000 screen. It is delayed by about 10 to 20 minutes, however. But you can still get a decent picture of like how the weather's building up around the area. So we can go around the weather. The second option is we can divert. If the weather's bad all around us, we can just find the closest airport we can land and we can wait it out by sitting inside one of those FBOs or fixed-based operators. And the third option is we can just turn around and go back to the, our airport of origin and try again some other time. 
Um, as well as as far as mechanical problems, mechanical problem, you almost always want to land as soon as possible and figure it out on the ground. Uh, there's a saying that's always better to be on the ground wishing you were in the air than in the air wishing you were on the ground. So you want to make sure if there's any sort of mechanical problem, we're landing immediately, regardless if we knew that airport existed before we started looking for a diversion point or not. Um, some other things I can think of are... Um, Air traffic control can route us a different way. So if we're going to be, this happens a lot if you're going on a cross country to the south because we happen to intersect with Midway's arrival traffic, Chicago Midway's arrival traffic. So they'll usually tell us to maintain a certain heading until we get up to a certain altitude or if there's a break in the southwest plains and then we can cut across. So they could ask us to deviate off our um, planned flight. So, yeah, we are not restricted on um, uh, the method that we plan for, but we should know in our head the alternatives um, before we go. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a good question. Yeah, that was. Okay. Um, I feel like I've been doing a lot of talking. It's now to get – we're going to jump segments, flop them around. It's time for the featured plane of the week. So, uh, Ava, you've got quite the plane for us this week. Why don't you tell us about it? This is a plane we all know and love, the Cessna 172. Um, As you probably know by now, all from both of us talking, we obviously both fly this plane. Um, There are different models of it, though. So Jarrett flies the S model, which is basically an all-glass cockpit. And then I fly the R model, which has a bunch of steam gauge instruments. So like you was saying before, with the all-glass cockpit, it's just basically a bunch of screens. It looks very nice. Um, I'm a little jealous, but I still like flying. It is a dream to fly. Yep. So the first Cessna 172 was flown in 1955. Um, If you don't know, it's a fixed wing aircraft. has four seats. It's a single engine. Uh, It's high wing, and it has tricycle landing gear. Um. I like, I mean, not sorry, like, I love flying this plane. Probably it's because it's, like, one of the only ever pl- one of the only planes I've ever flown. But <laughs> um, it's a very nice plane, very comfortable plane, I'd say. I'd take this, I mean, I'd have one of these planes if, when I was older, if I could afford it. But Especially those S models. Yeah. Um, I like the R model, though. No hate towards it. Um, you know... I don't really know what else to say besides the fact that I just like flying it. I feel like it's a very safe and reliable airplane, uh, especially as technology advances and more of these planes are being built and manufactured. Um, yeah, anything you want to say about this plane? Um, it also not only has civil operations, but it also has an expansive military operations. And there are some countries that have put a missile on the wings of a Skyhawk and configured it to shoot. I don't know how that works because I feel like as soon as the missile would launch, it would, like, send the airplane backwards because the airplane is relatively light. And how do they, like, figure out the weight and balance for that? Because missiles aren't necessarily always the lightest thing in the entire world. Exactly. So there are, yeah, there are quite a few. I'm looking at probably 20 to 30 governments that use the... um, they use the Cessna 172 and reconnaissance or Air Corps or even there's a strike force of the Cessna 172. And, of course, it's called uh, in the in the military version for the United States is called the T-41. 
is the uh, Cessna 172, but for the military. Uh, so, yeah, there have been many models, as Ava said, anywhere from the Cessna 172, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way down, I, like we said, we're on the S model now. And the only model they currently make is the S model. Yeah, so um, if you're interested in buying a brand new 172, it'll cost about $432,000. But a older used 172 can be anywhere from 49000 to 235000 And obviously, like I said, these things were made in 1955, so you could be getting a plane from 1955 or above. So... Yeah, I would say the only thing you're restricted on is the weight and balance. If you want to take all four people on those four seats, you got to make sure you carry a light fuel load. Yeah, I don't bring a lot of bags. No bags. So, yeah, that's the the 172 for you. Awesome. I now have our featured incident of the week. It was a dark and stormy night on December 8th. 2005 when a Southwest Airlines flight from Baltimore, Maryland to Chicago, Illinois slid off a runway at Chicago's Midway Airport while landing in a snowstorm and crashed into an automobile killing a six-year-old boy. The aircraft is a one-year-old 737-700 which was delivered into Southwest just the year before The captain was a 59-year-old Bruce Sutherland, who was a U.S. Air Force pilot, and joined Southwest Airlines and had over 15,000 flight hours, 4,500 of which was with Southwest Airlines. The first officer also had an extensive background, carrying over 8,500 hours, with 2,000 of them on the 737. Neither pilot have ever been involved in an accident or incident before this flight. It was when flight 1248 was scheduled to arrive in Chicago Midway. The flight circled over a small area in northwest Indiana several times before attempting to land in a snowstorm that had reduced visibility to less than one mile. At around 7.15 p.m., the pilot attempted a landing with nearly eight inches of snow on the ground in the area. Airport officials stated that the runway is clear of snow prior to landing, and the last reported weather from the wind was east to southeast at 11 knots. The crew selected a runway that was 1-3 center due to the uh, instrument landing minimums were lower for visibility. However, that caused the aircraft to have a tailwind, which boosted the aircraft's ground speed. The 737 skidded during landing, and according to witnesses, the nose gear collapsed. The plane came to rest across the fence of Midway Airport on Central Avenue, just south of the 55th Street intersection at the northwestern corner of the airport. The intersection was full of traffic, and the airplane hit three cars, killing six-year-old Joshua Woods. I know why you picked this incident. It was because we drove past, or when we were at Midway the other day. You were not... You would not stop talking about it at all, and you were looking for the corner that it was. I was trying to find the corner. And then we drove past it. Yeah. And we did drive past it. But it is quite the uh, tragic incident and yeah. one that, um, if you look at a picture, the picture is just really weird. It's like the 737 in the middle of a mm-hmm. intersection covered in snow. I mean, sometimes you'll see smaller planes like that, but you don't necessarily always see the bigger planes. So it looks like, according to the NTSB investigation, 
It discovered that the air traffic controller told the pilots to break in action for the first half of the runway was gored and poor for the second half. However, there were uh, that was only for a different airplane type. That was a small piston and aircraft for a large, um, a large aircraft. It was not sufficient braking action. Contributing to the accident were failure to provide Southwest Airlines failure to provide pilots with clear and consistent guidance and training regarding company policy and procedures related to arrival landing distance calculations. The programming and design of the onboard performance computer, which did not present critical assumption information despite inconsistent tailwind and reverse thrust assessment methods, as well as a failure to include a margin of safety in the arrival assessment and for landing in a tailwind with a limited runway. It is always better to divert than try for lower minimums, as we see in this incident. Yep. As a direct result of the accident, the FAA created a takeoff and landing performance assessment aviation rulemaking committee, or the TELPA ARC. Um, In 2016, based on the recommendations of TELPA ARC, the FAA implemented a new numerical runway condition code that we still use today. So if you ever hear 555, that means braking action is good. 333 is marginal. And, of course, like 111 is in. It's like completely black ice. You can't break on it. But, yeah, this was all created because of this accident. Yeah. It's an unfortunate accident. It is quite unfortunate. As always, people learn from it. Um, things get better. They say, that, gets better. they say that the FAA's um, rules are written in blood because they're all made after yeah. something happens. Um, coincidentally enough, though, this accident was exactly 33 years after a United Airlines flight crashed while approaching Midway Airport, killing 45. It was almost the exact same date and time. That is crazy. Which is, I just think that's so wild. Um, This was the first Southwest Airlines accident in its 35-year history that resulted in a fatality. Um, Of course, there has been some since then. But yeah. Southwest Airlines has a pretty good safety record. They do. They have a pretty good reputation for that. So, yeah, that's what we got for um, the accident. Do you have anything else to add? I do not. Well, that was episode number six of Through the Clouds podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us at ttcloudspodcast at gmail.com or say hi to over us on Instagram at ttcloudspodcast. We would be happy to answer any of your questions uh, and we will see you next week, Friday for episode number seven of through the clouds podcast signing off for now. It's Jarrett and Ava and we'll see you next time.